0: Today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor JD Farrakh. The sole desire of his soul
1: is for his relationship with God to be restored. That's all he cares about. He lost everything but wants God more than anything. Let me say the same thing in a different way. Job cares nothing about anything but God. That's all he wants. He's longing for, even aching
0: for, just one word. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Barag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Job. Despite all the hardships God allowed him to go through, Job still wanted nothing more than to restore his relationship with him. Pastor J.D. tells us that this should be our goal, to long for God, Even if we are in the worst of situations, when we consider Jesus to be the center of our lives, we will be able to make it through the most difficult of times. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. Now, here's Pastor JD in Job chapter 24 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth.
1: Now, arriving on the scene also are the paramedics. They're not there, that's Artie's job. They're not there to find out who's in the wrong, who broke the law, who who ran the red light causing the accident. Their only concern is to minister to the injured and wounded. They're not paramedics. (laughs) That's not why they're there. They're there to police him, not to minister to him. They could care less that this man is hanging on by a thread. This man is at the end. And how much more can he take? The Lord knows. The Lord knows how much more he can bear up under. But their only concern is to police him this is, this is quintessential legalism. And you'll forgive the bluntness with which I say this, and, but those of you who, who know me, you're, 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 you're used to it. <laughs> but when it comes to the legalist, man, I'll tell you, the legalist is only concerned about the law. You've, you've transgressed the law. You've you've broken the law. You are guilty. You are guilty. And by the way, uh, we're going to, uh, I can't wait, Ephesians 4, Sunday morning, Lord willing, we turn a corner. The, The book of Ephesians is fabulous because the first three chapters are all about what God has done for us. And the last three chapters are all about our response because of what God has done for us. And therein lies the key to living a victorious Christian life. It, it changes everything. And it, it's, it has nothing to do with us trying to be pleasing Acceptable and living lives that are pleasing in the sight of the Lord. When I I don't want to preach Sunday morning service, this is a little bit of a teacher, this is all I'm going to say, (laughs) maybe. But when I fully embrace all that God has done for me, my response to Him comes as a result of knowing what God's done for me. When, When I consider how much he's forgiven me of, and and I, I won't. I withhold forgiveness from others when I consider how gracious he's been to me, and I'm gonna not be gracious to others. When I consider how much he loves me, and I'm not gonna be loving towards others. And it's so interesting because uh, he talks very practically, nuts and bolts, practically about husbands and wives and marriages, employers and employees. And it's all in the spiritual warfare. And it all hinges on the first three chapters of all that God has done for us. Exceedingly, abundantly above and beyond anything we could have ever imagined or thought of, let alone asked. And that changes a man. You know, when you go through hardship and you're on the receiving end of God's amazing grace, it gives you a compassion for people. When when you've been broken and crushed, and you've gone through unspeakable tragedy and pain and difficulty, it gives you a softness and a compassion towards other people, especially when they're going through something similar to what you've gone through. You just, you genuinely care about them and you genuinely want to minister to them. And that's not what we have here. The harshest people you'll find are those who are the legalists. They're the Eliphazes. They're these guys. They're the police. They're not the paramedics. They're only there to point out the wrong and and they're hypercritical these are the kind of people that, again, I'm just re- going to refer to the mainland. They're the kind of people that will come into a church, and I've met a few of them. <laughs> and they have nothing good to say. Everything, they're so critical. They have an opinion, so opinionated. Well, the worship was, not which I was like, I, I love that one. You know why I love that one? Because my response, <laughs> it's a sanctified strength, I realize it. But I just say, you know what? Uh, the worship isn't for you. The worship is for the Lord. We're not here to entertain you. Well, then, of course, you know, I've been on the receiving end of my fair share of criticisms as the pastor. Well, you're, 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 you you're, 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 you you're, know <laughs> you you're, to to you can be supportive of the pastor And you can become part of a body of believers. We're obviously not the right church for you. You know what really scares me is, I might be a little bit too candid here, but what really scares me when somebody says, hey, you know, new to the church, we're church shopping. (gasps) You're shopping for a church like you're shopping for furniture? That's what I call Christian consumerism. These are consumers. It's, they're only there for what the church can do for them. And you can tell by the body language. We just sit there like this. Okay. Bless me. <laughs> you know, the worship better be good. The sermon better be short. And it better be relevant. And they're looking at their watch. Ooh. I I was listening to uh Jim Simbel of Brooklyn Tabernacle uh and he made a very interesting comment. He says, What is it about Christians that if the pastor goes over, starts you know you know the the, the, the service is a little bit longer and they're like look at their watches and wow. Like, what what they got other things to do. Oh, if, if a game goes into overtime, no complaints. No complaints. How about a two-hour movie? No problem. But boy, the pastor goes too long. Oh, and then he says this, and, I, and, and it really makes sense to me. And I'll tell you, why would God let people into heaven who don't want to be there? Isn't this what we're going to be doing for all eternity? What are we going to be? Wait, wait, wait. Where else would you want to be? Well, oh, I got things to do. You got things to do. Wait, you, you don't want to be in church, in the presence of the Lord, worshiping the Lord with God's people. You'd rather be someplace else. You're not going to really enjoy heaven much, are you? All right. Okay, I'm, I'm done ranting and raving. <laughs> Let's get back to our Bible study already in progress. We'll see how much further we can get. Don't look at your watches. How could you after I just said that, right? <laughs> you see what I'm doing here. That was pretty good, wasn't it? Kind of. We might go a little bit longer tonight. Not necessarily. Verse one, Job 23. <laughs> Job's going to answer Eliphaz. Then Job answered and said, Even today my complaint is bitter. My hand is listless because of my groaning. Oh, that I knew where I might find him, that I might come to his seat. Ah, I would present my case before him and fill my mouth with arguments. I would know the words which he would answer me and understand what he would say to me. Would he contend with me in his great power? No but he would take note of me. There the upright could reason with him, and I would be delivered forever from my judge. Look, I go forward, but he is not there, and backward, but I cannot perceive him. When he works on the left hand, I cannot behold him. When he turns to the right hand, I cannot see him. This does not sound like a guy that Eliphaz was uh, describing, does it? Eliphaz was describing a guy that's running from God in his wickedness before God. This sounds like the polar opposite. This sounds like a guy that's just crying out to God. Don't hide your face from me. I I just, I long to see you. I go to the right, I can't find you. I go to the left, you're not there. I go forward, you're not there either. I go backward, I cannot perceive you. Where are you, God? Verse 10, but he knows the way that I take. When he has tested me, I shall come forth as gold. Ah, he, <laughs> he's right. And it's going to happen exactly as he said. Verse 11, My foot has held fast to his steps. I have kept his way and not turned aside as you have accused me of, Eliphaz. I have not departed from the commandment of his lips, verse 12, as you have accused me of, Eliphaz. I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. But he is unique, and who can make him change? And whatever his soul desires, that he does. For he performs what is appointed for me, and many such things are with him. Therefore I am terrified at his presence. When I consider this, I am afraid of him. For God made my heart weak and the Almighty terrifies me because I was not cut off from the presence of darkness and he did not hide deep darkness from my face. I want you to kind of bear with me and and hear me out on this because this is very important. It is so vital that we understand this about Job. Now, think this through with me. We've, we've again talked about this prior. I think we would do well to revisit this again. We have a glimpse here into the heart of this righteous man. And this righteous man wants nothing more than to restore his relationship with his God. That's all he cares about. Notice, he never once has asked for a physical healing, right? Am I right? For those of you who have been with us from the beginning of this study through the book of Job, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, have you one time, do you one time remember Job asking for a physical healing? No. Have you ever once heard him in his prayer crying out to God, give me my children back from the grave? Not one time. Not one time. The sole desire of Job's soul, sorry for the play on words, the sole desire of his soul is for his relationship with God to be restored. That's all he cares about. He lost everything, but wants God more than anything. Let me say the same thing in a different way. Job cares nothing about anything but God. That's all he wants. He's longing for, even aching for, just one word from his God, who he once had such intimacy with. Yet God is silent. He hears nothing. The only thing he hears are these false accusations from these miserable comforters, as he calls them. And that's being kind. Miserable comforters, the miserable word's okay. I have an other word in mind. I will not repeat it from this pulpit. Charles Spurgeon said this, In Job's uttermost extremity, he cried after the Lord. The longing desire of an afflicted child of God is once more to see his father's face. His first prayer is not, Oh, that I might be healed of the disease which now festers in every part of my body, nor even, Oh, that I might see my children restored from the jaws of the grave, and my property once more brought from the hand of the spoiler. But the first and uppermost cry is, Oh, that I knew where I might find Him, who is my God, that I might come even to His seat. Even if I could just... See Him one more time. Feel the warmth of His embrace just one more time. That's all I want. I want nothing more. Chapter 24. Since times are not hidden from the Almighty, why do those who know Him see not His days? Some remove landmarks. They seize flocks violently and feed on them. They drive away the donkey of the fatherless. They take the widow's ox as a pledge. They, notice, he doesn't say we. (laughs) I've never done that. They've done that. You've accused me of doing this. I've never done this. They, verse 4, push the needy off the road. All the poor of the land are forced to hide. Indeed, like wild donkeys in the desert, they go out to their work searching for food. The wilderness yields food for them and for their children. They gather their fodder in the field and glean in the vineyard of the wicked. They spend the night naked without clothing and have no covering in the cold. They are wet with the showers of the mountains and huddle around the rock for want of shelter. Some snatch the fatherless from the breast and take a pledge from the poor. They cause the poor to go naked without clothing And they take away the sheaves from the hungry. They press out oil within their walls and tread wine presses, yet suffer thirst. The dying groan in the city and the souls of the wounded cry out, yet God does not charge them with wrong. Remember we talked about Oswald Chambers quoted as saying that God never faults a man for despair. In all of this, God does not charge them with wrong. There are those who rebel against the light. Now, he's not talking about those who have perpetrated this against these victims. But here he is. There are those who rebel against the light. They do not know its ways nor abide in its paths. The murderer rises with the light. He kills the poor and needy. And in the night he is like a thief. The eye of the adulterer waits for the twilight, saying, No eye will see me. And he disguises his face. In the dark they break into houses, which they mark for themselves in the daytime. They do not know the light. 4, verse 17, The morning is the same to them as the shadow of death. If someone recognizes them, they are in the terrors of the shadow of death. In other words, they wait for uh the morning light and they they want to escape lest somebody should notice them In the daylight, they, verse 18, should be swift on the face of the waters. Their portion should be cursed in the earth so that no one would turn into the way of their vineyards as drought and heat consume the snow waters so the grave consumes those who have sinned. The womb should forget them. The worm should feed sweetly on him. He should be remembered no more and wickedness should be broken like a tree." For he prays on the barren who do not bear, and does no good for the widow. But God draws the mighty away with his power. He rises up, but no man is sure of life. He gives them security, and they rely on it. Yet his eyes are on their ways. They are exalted for a little while, then they are gone. They are brought low... They are taken out of the way like all others. They dry out like the heads of grain. Now, if it is not so, who will prove me a liar and make my speech worth nothing? You know what? I I, I hate this because I found myself already just in reading through the chapter, rushing through it. I don't want to rush through this. Okay? So we're not going to make it to chapter 25. By the way, chapter 25, I think, is only like six verses. But... Uh, I want to pick it up, Lord willing, next week in uh, chapter 24. And I'll leave you with this because, and this is why I don't want to rush through this. This is too important. Uh, And it deals with why it is that it seems that the wicked are allowed to prosper. And I think this is apropos for our day today. It seems that evil goes unpunished. And Job is asking in this chapter, and this is why I want to spend some time, Lord willing, next week where we'll pick it up here. Uh, Job is asking a question that I think a lot of us are asking today. And that question is, why does God seemingly delay in bringing about a just and righteous judgment on those who do evil? Um, I'm going to give you some homework. Is that okay? (laughs) Okay. Kind of reminds you of when you were back in school, right? My son Levi was going to come to church tonight, and he said, Baba, I've got so much homework. And so I said, okay, I forgive you. You're still saved. You can do your homework. So I'm going to give you some homework uh, for next week. I want you to spend some time in Psalm 73. Psalm 73. Uh, we'll, We'll talk about Psalm 73. It actually answers this question for us. And it's the answer to the question that Job is asking here. And it really comports, for lack of a better word, with the whole dilemma that we see here with Job. And really it speaks to this whole dynamic of how it is and why it is that it just seems like in a world that is waxing more and more evil by the day, they just get away with it. And it gets worse and worse, and nothing happens. And God doesn't judge them. And we want God to judge them. Why does God delay? Why does God delay the judgment on those who do evil? So Psalm 73, Lord willing, next week, we'll uh, pick it up here. And then um, we'll just do a recap on chapter 24. Chapter 25, yeah, it is only six verses. <laughs> and, oh, let me just give you some hope. Let me end on a really good note here. This will really encourage your heart. I just got to make sure I'm, I'm uh, on the right page here. Yes, the end of chapter 25 has Bildad's final words, so long. But it's also the end of all three of these guys. They no longer, after chapter 25, speak. We're not out of the woods yet. But after chapter 25, we are, we are done with these guys. They, they speak no more. <laughs> and thank God, chapter 25 is only six verses in length when Bildad says, uh, his last
0: words. The book of Job shares the story of a man who has lost everything but still clung to his faith in the goodness of God. This is an unusual concept, especially in a world that typically blames God for the evil that is around the world. God is still good no matter the difficulties you are facing in your own life. God is in control and he will bring things to the conclusion he knows is right and perfect. He provides the peace and comfort you'll need to endure as well, along with the strength to continue forging ahead. Trust God. He's on your side. We hope you found encouragement and blessing through today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. We'd love to connect with you, so please take time to visit com, Follow our links to Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube, and join the conversation already happening there. You'll learn more about our ministry at our website as well and be able to catch the latest editions of the Mid-East Prophecy Update. Each week, Pastor J.D. takes a look at current events of the world and compares them with scriptural teachings, sharing what God is teaching him through it all. You'll find these updates at inspiritandtruthradio.com as well as on our mobile app for Apple and Android phones. That brings us to the end of our time with you today. There's much more to discover in the book of Job. We hope you'll read ahead and ask God to reveal His truth through the words on the page. Join us on the next edition of In Spirit and Truth as Pastor JD continues his study in Job.